Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and we're talking preseason Bulldog football here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back into the doghouse. I'm your host, David Murray, and your sponsor, as usual, is Bet Online, where the game starts. We're talking about a half hour after Mississippi State was supposed to begin their Saturday scrimmage. Now, I say supposed to. We don't know if they did or didn't. Uh, there were some thunderstorms in the area, certain to the north of where I am, located down here south of Starkville. Uh, but uh, we could certainly hear the thunder. I still think things cleared off in time, and they are in the practice fields. They're not at Scott Field today, so they should be able to get the work done. It is the first of two planned scrimmages of the preseason by Coach Zach Arnett. And as I said, being in the SEAL complex kind of closed, I believe M Club members are in town. Perhaps they'll get to watch some of the action out there as well. Perhaps a few of them even report on our Jeans Page message board. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But us media, nope, not allowed to watch, observe, though I can't really complain because Arnett and staff have been generous giving us the last 20, usually more like the last 30, minutes of daily practices to observe to get some ideas of what's going on either in 7-on-7 or more often 11-on-11. So thanks to the coach and staff for allowing this. Now, access gets a little more limited this coming week, and then as they start cracking down, getting ready for a game prep, things will tighten up into more a season standard. Again, no complaints here. We're appreciative of all we can get because, again, there are some SEC schools we can name that uh, you ain't got no excess, and you may talk to one player a week. Sometimes when I hear younger members of the media corps, which, frankly, is everyone in the media corps these days, almost without exception, uh, when they complain about access, I just want to say you got no idea how good you have it here at Mississippi State compared to what it could be at a bunch of SEC venues. All that aside, the Bulldogs will be scrimmaging, and we will be talking to players sometime around noon tomorrow after they come through a walkthrough sort of session, uh, kind of wrap up the scrimmage and move forward into the new practice week, and of course the new school semester as well, because that's about to get on Bulldog minds too. By the way, speaking of on your minds, time for our sponsor, Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds and lines and matchup information for baseball, boxing, golf, and more summer sports. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, gets all caps, B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And where the game is getting underway for the Bulldogs and they're scrimmaging, we did have a chance this afternoon uh, to talk to Coach Zach Arnett. We also, for the first time this preseason, spoke with the coordinators, uh, Matt Brock on the defensive side and Kevin Barbet on offense. In fact, once we finish this uh, somewhat shorter version of the doghouse, we're going to attach today's interview with Coach Barbet and I think while there are some specifics on players and positions he talks about, I think you're going to be much more interested to listen to his general philosophies and attitudes towards offense in general, towards offense with his personnel at Mississippi State, how he adapts to personnel and his previous stops at Appalachian State, Central Michigan, and others, which really bodes well because he's got quite a versatile lineup to work with in several positions. Once you get past uh, Jaquavius Marks running back, between Simeon Price, Jeffrey Pittman, Seth Davis, there's versatility. Oh, Kevon Lee, the transfer of Penn State. You've got muscle, you've got speed, you've got what they call twitch, you've got power. 
So they can do different things for your backup running back. Fortunately, Jaquavius Marks can do just about all of that himself. So that's a fine package to have in one number seven jersey. Tight end, goodness, the variety of things. And I ask him specifically about all the variations on tight end, not just personnel. We hear transfers of Summer, Jaquavius Spivey, and Tyler Goody. Well, you know they're going to play, but other guys as well. And the fact they're lining them up as a true tight end as a split slot tight end, as almost a split in, or a split in going into motion as an extra blocker, or as an H-back. They're doing everything except throwing passes, and frankly, I wouldn't be stunned if at some point this season Barbe didn't let them do something like that as well, because he is using these guys in all sorts of mixes and matches, even, dare I say, almost as a fullback type position. No, not lined up in the backfield. And he did go to great lengths to talk about the fact that Yes, while Will Rogers is practicing some under center this year, which he hasn't done under Mike Leach, it's probably going to be about 5% of the playbook. Everything else will be in the shotgun. The difference being they'll work out of both the pistol and a more eye-type set with the running backs as well, and, of course, the fully empty backfield if you're going to run the number of wides and a tight end too, sometimes two tight ends at the same time. It's just been fascinating to watch a lot of this. But the point is, they're practicing a whole lot of things, and in a couple of weeks, i got to start narrowing down from practice to what they're actually going to use in the first few games. Fortunately, a couple of non-conference games, Southeastern Louisiana and Arkansas, uh, Arkansas, Arizona, to begin this season before they hit Game 3 and SEC season with LSU in town. So plenty of time to get the offense fully installed by then, but I'm not certain they're ever going to fully install the offense in 2023 with what Barbe wants to do in all sorts of positions, or for that matter, even the offensive line of scrimmage. It may be another year or so before we get the full ex- example of what Barbe has in mind to do with the personnel he has every year. He also talks about quarterbacks, uh, the way Mike Wright has come along, Chris Parson and his future at the quarterback position. By the way, it's positive and other things, but we'll let you listen to that if we can successfully attach it to the end of this talk. I want to get into some of the things that Arnett said. Of course, you can find the full interview with Zach Arnett. I transcribed it. It's on Gene's page 24-7. You can also listen to the audio or even watch the video that Steve shot to go along with it. The scrimmage, I'm sorry, the transcript comes in really handy, though, if you want to get some of the ins and outs of it. Generally, let's hit some of the high points there. And he came across with the idea this first scrimmage it's not intended to really settle much of anything um, never mind everything this is more of a checkpoint for the team as well as the coaches and especially the coordinators it's not just how much they pick the plays and players for those plays it's the results it's their philosophy what they're trying to do against what they see on the defensive side and what the defensive side sees from the offense and vice versa So in the words of Arnett today, it gives the coaches kind of an accountability test how good of a job we've done through the first week and several days with the installations and practicing these things. And by the way, that accountability, I followed up with a question and he said, yep, it starts at the top because if things aren't working all well with what he allows his coordinators to do, they're not going to be a good team. So it goes to him. Now, Defensively is what we mostly talked about with Arnett because that's where his strengths and history lay. And he talked about a meeting he had with the defensive side when he told them, and a number of players in particular, that this is no longer just a competition at your positions, though that does continue. 
For some defensive jobs, the competition is, will their position even be on the field most or much of the time? Uh, Such as, will they stick with a three-linebacker set as their base? Or will they go to a four-defensive lineman? Yes, four-defensive lineman. We discussed that back in spring. We've seen it here in preseason. I'm not giving away anything shocking because Matt Brock discusses it openly as well, and certainly Arnett does too, so don't think I'm giving away any secrets out there. Though I do invite all opponents to listen to this because we like the hits. But things like, do you go with the three linebackers? Do you you stay with three safeties? One defensive end or two defensive ends? Yes, I saw a set this week where they had two true tackles and both defensive ends Jordan Davis and DeMonte Russell on the field at the same time. That was a 4-2 set backed up by Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson. And as Arnett said, then you can use that, and in an obvious run situation, short yardage kind of thing, you could plug in a third linebacker and really have a classic 4-3 type defensive line that many a former MSU coordinator would not only recognize but applaud at the same time. It's just as easy with the personnel they have to mix and match as guys develop and earn it to stay in the 3-3-5 or to use some variation of it, uh, 3-2-6 even. There have been all sorts of making, mixing and matching, and you have a couple of guys out there that uh, say J.P. Purvis, even though he's bulked up, can do a little bit in pass coverage, or you have some safeties who can move up there almost as an extra linebacker. You get the idea I'm talking about. I'm not sure they're going to go with just one true set. Yes, they'll be the base. We'll still list it as a 3-3-5. But those position competitions are really about position versus position than players within that position trying to be first, second team, that sort of thing. Now, do I have any concerns about the defense? I'll focus on that because, again, Barbe has so much to say about the offensive side. Yeah, safeties, plural, as in all three of them. I don't think there's a job back there that seems settled. Now, back in spring, that would have been a real worry. In fact, in spring, it was a worry here. Now, I'm not ready to say that there aren't some lingering concerns about how any combination of three or two safeties will perform in the first two games, never mind LSU in week three. It just seems to this eye... Um, and so I do say I because I did have a little summer uh, procedure done on one of the eyes. It's just about back to 100%, but uh, let's just say I prefer watching in daylight than the night right now. And that's um, no, don't need no get well letters. I'll be fine in time. It just seems that there are more and more promising answers available today than there were back in April. We certainly hope that would be the case in August, and it is proving the case, but that doesn't mean some things have been totally answered. Uh, They could come out with what has been, up to now, the usual troika of receivers in Sean Preston, Marcus Banks, and Jordan Morant, who has really raised his game, as I mentioned last week. But there are other players, Corey Ellington, who certainly is in that mix there, and guys who have just come on stronger even the fact that when we talk to Arnett about uh, some decisions, some young guys who maybe have come on stronger, a guy like a Bryce Pollock, he mentioned. That's probably going to be a true freshman who can do too many things right now to really redshirt him, although those decisions can be made during the course of the season because you have four games, as Arnett reminds. But some of these guys, especially freshmen, they're just too good not to have ready available every game and to play on special teams too. I just mentioned Pollock. There are others out there as well. You could say the same thing at the cornerback positions because 
there's some true freshmen uh, like uh, Isaac Smith. That guy has an NFL future if he is anything like what we think he is at this point, just watching him out there and how he has really come on so well in fall ball after a limited spring session. And that's a true freshman who is battling with a veteran for a second job at least, and quite possibly could end up finding himself in the first rotation before the season's over, maybe even before the season is half over. That's the kind of talent this kid has. And the fact that, uh, again, even the veterans in this group, you can't say their jobs are settled. My point being there, it just seems like there will be a workable group put together. Arnett still says that's the position group that is of most concern to him. And that's not just because of his defensive background. He coached the safeties last year, remember, but you lost all three of your starters. And now you're plugging in a bunch of people and just finding that right combination. You get the feeling, and he reminded this too, that the best way to get safety support and coverage is to have a great pass rush up front or just control the ball up front. And I think State is going to have the front to do that against most opponents. You just The box that State can put up there, whether it's a four- or three-man front, three linebackers, however they want to mix and match it there, State's going to have enough muscle up front and enough depth in the rotation with guys like Calvin Dinkins, who has raised his game tremendously in his second season in college, as one expected, but it's always good to see actually happening on the practice field. And as camp grinds on, it's kind of grinding down some of my own spring concerns also at places like uh, outside linebacker at, you know, Percy Lewis, I think is playing really well. I'm sorry, John Lewis, um, defensive guy. Percy, of course, is offensive. John Lewis has really played well at linebacker and J.P. Purvis can't take his job for granted there. And of course, Deshaun Page is backed up to full speed, it looks like, and he he's not going to take a job away from Nate Watson or Jet Johnson, but you sure feel a little easier about taking one of those guys off the field and plugging him in at either the middle or the inside linebacker positions. So what I'm saying is guys are stepping up at the linebacker positions, the defensive end positions. So I feel, again, this is just after less than two full weeks of practice, I just feel generally better about the shape of the defensive guys that we didn't know coming into fall. We know what Jaden Cromedy and Nathan Pickering and Johnson and Watson can do at their positions. We know what DeCamarian Richardson is going to do at cornerback, but is DeCarlos Nicholson ready to jump up and grab that starting job away from Isaias Furge? I think he's just about there at this point, judging by the 11-11 snaps we've seen at the end of periods. Again, that's not definitive because we do get to see the tail end of practice, but we don't know what went on before then. And is somebody just getting a turn, or is that actually how things stand in the uh, proverbial two deeps? That doesn't keep us from posting two deeps and so on our message boards, but uh, hey, that's what we're here for. I just found it an interesting comment from the coaches that as far as this you know coming situation, the scrimmage, they are telling positions that you're fighting to be on the field, and then we'll start worrying about who's going to play those positions there. Offensively, and again, I'll let Barbe talk more about it, uh, left tackle remains the primary competition at this point with three guys still battling it out. I know like at the end of this week when I was watching the 11-on-11, some of the better running plays came with Dollar Bill Johnson out there at the left tackle position. It's interesting, though, that Arnett went out of his way to say that they're trying more combinations overall on the line, which 
To be clear, we don't get to see much of in practice observation periods, certainly with the first line. I reckon by that point, the offense has been working with the main actors and letting backups battle. And so in previous periods, that's where they're trying a lot of these combinations he talks about, but didn't explain to us. Still, I just found that an interesting comment from the head coach there. But the main comment that Zach Arnett had to say today, September 2nd ain't moving. That was in response to being asked, you know, when are you going to be ready? When do you think you'll be ready? What's your target date to be ready? And, and he was bluntly honest. He says there's probably not a coach out there that thinks his team is entirely ready when the season starts, maybe not even through the full course of the season. But today, this scrimmage this evening will do a lot to settle how far they are in install, how the recognitions, the reactions can be, what the accommodations are, how the coordinators are calling plays against each other. By the way, that brings up something we have frequently asked several players, offensive and defensive alike, maybe more so the defensive guys. I say this carefully because I don't want it to come across as a criticism of the late Mike Leach and his air raid offense, but still it is worth been asking about players, defensive guys, is it helping you this camp to be able to practice full time? against a multiple-type offense with tight ends, with multiple receivers, physical receivers, mix and match, instead of just the air raid all the time. Yes, they got to scout team prepare against the offense they would see, but it wasn't against a varsity. Now they're getting a better test, and every defensive guy we have talked to, to a man, say they much prefer this fall and this camp setup, whether it's in drills or in 11-on-11 or in scrimmaging they feel it is much more productive to be going against what Barbe is installing, and it's not even, as I said, close to being fully installed, that they think it gives them a better preparation ground and much better practice ground for preseason and going into the season than it was before when they had a couple of weeks to go against the scouts, having mostly worked against Air Raid the previous couple of weeks. So that's been something consistently said by offensive guys, by defensive guys, I'm sorry. And even the offensive guys agree that by them coming out in different type formations with different type personnel packages, 10, 11, 12, and so on, the defense is giving them different looks all the time as well, too, as opposed to basically a kind of a selected package of looks that work against the air raid. So everybody's benefiting from a much more balanced Bulldog offense that begins with running the ball but doesn't end with running the ball. It still mixes in the outside throws, the medium throws, and the real deep shots down the field, which we've seen more and more of. And boy, do the receivers enjoy it. And some of these guys are doing a really good job beating coverage downfield, even double teams, to get in position to catch those 30 and 40-yard strikes that we've been able to watch in observation periods. So that's kind of a general overlook of summing up what we've seen so far in practices. And by the way, had a chance yesterday to go to Scott Field itself, to the scoreboard club, where Proof in the Pudding, the official concessionaire from Mississippi State, put on a tasting and invited the media and athletic department staff. So had a chance to talk to the athletic director, Zach Selman, and his top assistants there. Um, some of it off record about what's going on with the stadium and other things. We'll getting into that deeper and deeper, but nothing committable at this point. Don't worry about that. But mostly to enjoy a little food in a relaxed setting. And uh, I will tell you this, 
it's good stuff. Uh, my favorite was the pulled pork sandwiches. And by the way, that is cooked right on the side. I think the gentleman said it was a hundred gallon cooker they have going at Davis Wade Stadium now. So it should be able to take care of the appetites. And they'll even have some healthy stuff this year. Although, honestly, and my wife is so much into organic foods, healthy foods. She's trying to convert this Jones County farm boy into going that direction. She's made some progress, even if I do slip and stumble into old bad habits when she's not around. Hey, what can I say? When you have 60 years of eating one way, a few years trying to change your ways, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill fight. But hey, it's all meant in good intentions and for my long-term health. That said, I felt awful good after eating pulled pork, but I'm not sure about who would order a Cobb salad at a football game. If you do, heaven bless you, and it sure as heck looked good, and I like Cobb salads, do not get me wrong. It just seemed a little unusual type of a fodder for a football game, but maybe that's a better reflection on how Mississippi State and college sports in general are changing in what they provide fans, the amenities, the experiences, the things going on, at this and if that means having a nice salad out there or a nice uh, turkey spring rolls or turkey wraps hey I, what can i say that just leaves more pulled pork for me okay you didn't hear that and uh, we'll see thank kathy I'm, I'm i'm just saying you know thank you dear for making me eat better uh, i can talk myself into trouble like nobody else can but also, while I was there, I got a chance to look in at the field itself. A new turf has been laid. It really looks sharp, almost game ready. But that's another reason they're not practicing on the field right now. They only had one practice on South Farms so far this week, but they'll go out there a couple of times this coming week. As Coach Arnett said, it does save wear and tear on the regular practice fields that are going to get abused all during the fall. We don't know where the second scrimmage is going to be. We do know it won't be open to the public. But they'll have a chance to get on Scottville at some point, get ready, do their walkthroughs. And my comment after watching it yesterday, just looking at the field from up at the scoreboard level, was, uh, hey, line the field up and line the teams up. It's time to play ball. Well, no, it's not. We're still a couple of weeks away. But you've got a team that pretty soon is going to be ready to start hitting somebody else instead of just themselves. And some coordinators that are ready to test what they're doing against a real opponent and that's coming up. Uh, there aren't many tickets available left so far as season tickets. So if you haven't made that decision, you may be too late already. So jump on there, see what you can find. Otherwise, start scouring the secondary market for your tickets to those first two home games. And then, of course, the SEC opener in week three with LSU on Scott Field. All right, that's our report here. Let's see if we can get the Kevin Barbe interview linked and take it from there. Otherwise, we appreciate you turning into this edition of the Doghouse again with your host, David Murray, and our sponsor, Bet Online. And if you like what you've been hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast as well. Thanks for checking in. We'll be talking to you further as camp goes on. And by the way, we're going to try to increase the efficiency and proficiency of these podcasts and get more going out as we get more information going into preseason football. And it won't be long before we're talking about preseason basketball as well. Thanks for checking in, and be talking to you again soon. Coach How eager are you to go play a game tonight? Eager tonight uh, to see the progress that we've made uh, from not only just spring ball, summer OTAs, the first 
seven practices of fall camp, and, and now it's live tackling, right, where some of those plays that you think might have been made, you know, whenever you blow the whistle quick, now we get to see our guys try to break through, run through those tackles and really finish. Um, so tonight our, our emphasis will really be finishing plays and how aggressively and violently are our skill guys, ball carriers, able to finish our plays. I watched uh, Coastal Carolina and the A&M game in its entirety, and there's been this, uh, I don't know, misinformation campaign about your offense, about all these snaps under center, but you really don't do it that often. So how would you kind of address that? I mean, people are like, well, Will Rogers is going to have a bad year because he has to go under center. What is your response? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll definitely, we'll use, uh, you know, under center whenever uh, it plays to our advantage, you know, sometimes in uh, low red or in, in third and short situations. But I tell you, 95% of the offense is, is in the gun. And, um, you know, uh, every year it's a little bit different. You get a little bit more advantage in the run game sometimes mm -hmm. in some of those schemes when you're underneath. Um, and sometimes it helps you with play-action shots. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I think that would be a total misconception uh, being that we're going to play under center the whole time because I would tell you 95% of it um, is in the gun. Now, you know, on the flip side of that, where I think a lot of the carryover is, is using the pistol instead of just offset, right? Because the pistol formation now allows us to kind of balance up mm -hmm. a little bit and really try to keep the defense from knowing, you know, hey, the running back's on the left, the tight end's on the right, we're running over here, right, to the right every time. So um, a little bit of that is always making sure that you're giving defense coordinators different looks. But, uh, you know, we're primarily a, a shotgun offense. Speaking of different looks, watching the tight ends, they'll be true blocking tight end. They'll be in the slot. They'll be a split. They'll be H-back. They'll be motions. Uh, it's a great versatility to have. How much does it help having two guys like Goody and Spivey who've done this before but also bringing other guys along because that's a lot to ask. Yeah, those guys are, are really, really experienced, man, and very, very smart individuals. Uh, so it's been uh, really good for them, you know, uh, being able to help some of those younger guys that are adjusting to the position some. And, uh, you know, it is. That's the fun part about tight ends, right, is those guys have a different skill set, uh, you know, of half offensive lineman, half big receiver. And creativity-wise, you can do a whole bunch of different things with those guys uh, when, you know, you're asking them to block or you're asking them to run an RPO or spread out and be a flexed receiver. Uh, so to me, that only adds to the, the creativity um, and the fun part about offenses is when you throw a bunch of different personnel groups in there, you know, uh, defensively, they got to sub for those tight ends, right? They got to match your personnel. And then you figure out, is your guy a better athlete? We'll put him out there and let's throw the ball to him and make a big guy cover it, you know? The thing, too, though, is with guys like that, you don't even have to sub in and out. You can leave them on the field and the defense can't adapt to them. No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, I think, again, just in general in that room, uh, we're making great progress, um, you know, with the tight ends. And, and again, growing, growing the offense in that, but also not being stubborn to, uh, you know, there's been years where I've, I've played a whole lot of 12 personnel, and there's years where I've only played an 11 or used more 10. It's all about adapting to the strengths of your players uh, that you have each week. Because <laughs> the reality of college football is we, each week is a little bit different, you know? And what you might have in week three might be completely different in week 11 or 12, especially in this league. Speaking of personnel groups, notice too, you, you run a lot of the same formation, I mean, excuse me, the same plays with 11 or 12 personnel. And there were a couple of situations that I saw where all of a sudden you catch them in a switch and they're adjusting to 12 personnel, but 
you're running the same play you'd run out of 10 personnel. I mean, how much of that chess match really kind of goes on in the mind of Kevin Barbet? Yeah, I really, my mindset is uh, simple but creative, right? I try to tell myself, don't overthink this. Keep it simple for the kids where conceptually we're running a lot of the same things, right? But presentation-wise, we're in a different personnel group with a shift or a motion. So for the quarterbacks, their progression stays the same. The kids know their landmarks on the concepts of where they need to be. Uh, but from the outside view and a defense coordinator view, right, there's a whole lot of stuff going on and a whole lot of adjustments. And that's where I think you get those personnel matchups as well. You know, when you know, hey, I can get in 12 personnel and I can match up this receiver on this DB, right, that's what I'm looking for in, in each game plan. Uh, but my general philosophy, uh, without being a, a, a real smart guy, is simple yet creative. Yeah, do you feel like it's benefited you, you know, going up against Matt Brock's, you know, defense uh, here in Paul Camp? Yeah, our defense, man, they give you like every look that you possibly can see. Uh, so it's been a real challenge, to be honest with you, because it's not a conventional, we're put, installing our offense, right, in a simplistic, hey, here's a nice 4-2 uh, front with cover four. You know, you start kind of uh, <coughs> advanced and having to handle all the movement and, all the different stuff. So I think Coach Brock and the defense, those guys do a phenomenal job. And um, I'm glad I'm on their team, is, is all I can say. You got a three-year starter coming back at quarterback. How are some you know, Mike Wright, Chris Parson, how are those guys coming along as well? Yeah, uh, they're coming along really well. I thought Mike Wright uh, so far in camp uh, has done a nice job of um, you know having more accuracy and, and taking easy completions. Obviously, his skill set um, is a lot different because, you know, he is a real threat uh, to score touchdowns with his legs. Um, you know, but he's coming along. You know, uh, Chris Parsons, in the springtime, you guys only got to see him uh, in Skelly and 7-on-7. Seven seven. And now, you know, it's team reps and the bullets are flying. So, you know, he's coming along well. He's a very talented kid that's got a really strong arm. Uh, and he is uh, – he, he really – he tries to learn, and he really invests a lot of time in learning from Will and Mike um, and how they're doing things. You know, now he's got to get enough experience and, and reps in team where the game slows down a little bit for him, you know. Um, and that's not uncommon for young quarterbacks, uh, especially when they come into the SEC and the bullets are starting to fly, right? He's got to let that game kind of slow down for him a little bit. Uh, but I'm pleased with the progress that he's making. And, uh, you know, really for all those guys, we talk a lot about understanding situational football and, you know, what's important in the red area, what's important on third downs, you know, how am I playing out this two minute in the game or in the half situation? So, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time just breaking down all those specific details. And it's important to me that you do that during the summertime, during fall camp, uh, so that you've covered it before those uh, intense moments come on Saturday night in the SEC. Last season at App State, you had four rushers with 70 or more carries. You split up the carries really well. Your last year at Central Michigan, you had one guy, 1,800 yards rushing, well over 300 carries. This seems like a deep running back room, but do you have a guy that you would trust to, to give 25, 30 carries a game to in there? You know, uh, I think Woody uh, is a phenomenal back. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, I'm, I'm probably not at that point yet to go, hey, this is how many carries this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy needs to have. Um, but again, it's going back to playing to the strengths of, of what you got. You know, App State, we had a really deep running back room. And so I need to feed those guys, right? And that's complimentary football because some of those guys are hard, powerful downhill runners, 
right? And we added a guy like Kevon Lee and, and Pittman here. Uh, some of those guys are more outside runners that can stick their foot and get vertical and create explosives like Woody and Simeon and Seth Davis. And so I think all of them together complement each other. Um, you know, you, you alluded to Central Michigan. Um, you know, obviously we had the leading rusher in America at Central Michigan, um, and he was one of those guys that needed enough to get himself going, you know. After you gave it to him about 10 times or so, then he was really ready to rumble. And so everybody is a little bit different. Um, you know, if I have a, a deep room like that, don't be surprised if I roll out in a Wildcat set and just snap it directly to that running back in order to simplify his packaging and give, you know, a guy that can create explosives for us, uh, no matter what position, is all I'm really looking for. Kind of along those lines with Woody in particular, just how good of a fit has he been going from the air raid into your style of play? Yeah, Woody's been uh, phenomenal. Um, you know, I think he does a great job of, of stretching it uh, on, on outside zone stuff. And, and banging it back up inside. I think he can hit the edge really well. He's got nice patience and exceptional burst, right? Which I think is so important at the running back position, right? As they're reading, 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 and they're patient, right? Then when they burst, right, that's what you're looking for. I think Woody, uh, from the moment that I got here and I saw Woody working out at 5 a.m. or whatever when we did our winter workouts, it was uh, evident that he was that guy. He was that worker, and he only knows one speed. Um, and, you know, he's not a, a big talker or a loud, flashy guy or anything, uh, but, man, the, the kid is a worker. And I am so excited to have him and, and uh, see what he does this fall. All right, thank you, guys. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate All good? You, Thank you, All right. I got to ask now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.